podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's the Anfield Wrap. It's John Gibbons hosting this week, and I'm joined by Mo Stewart, by Jake Nolan, and by Fuad Hassan. And we're going to talk a little bit about our rivals and who are our rivals and who we should be looking out for uh, this season as we have a little bit more information on who's going to be stronger than others this season but uh, first of all I just wanted to say for the 23-24 season the Anfield Wrap is sponsored by Green King Sports where football is more than a game Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Liverpool fixture over the course of the season so swerve the dodgy streams and get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action also, Green King Sports have just recently, uh, very recently, launched the Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, uh, deals and competitions throughout the season. So drop them a follow and you'll get all that, including uh, me giving some Premier League predictions, some of which looks absolutely wild already. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, if you want to laugh at me and, and a few other people who you recognise from, from Coach Home and stuff like that, uh, yeah, do get on there. Also, I'll be completely honest, you're helping the Anfield Rap out if you follow them. Um, so yeah Green King Sports if you want to follow them on Instagram uh, we would appreciate it Jake will you follow Green King Sports on Instagram please yeah I'll follow them right away John doing when, it when I can come off airplane mode <laughs> doing it in singles I've got two accounts and they're both already followed oh same oh, well, right. Fuad what's your I, I definitely already follow them John <laughs> <laughs> So there we are, there we are. Like Mike Atherton, just doing it in singles. We'll, we'll get we'll get it up there. He'll be thousands before you know it. Uh, anyway, I thought it'd be good to have a, a bit of a chat, uh, gents, about who we think our rivals are this season, who we should be worried about, and who you already have your eye on. Basically, who are very much our business and who are none. So are we in a fight for top four? In which case, are we looking at Manchester United, Newcastle, Spurs, Chelsea, or even West Ham? Uh, left off Brighton there, I'm going to get told off. Uh, in the <laughs> a lot of heat for Brighton. Um are we looking to be the nearest challengers to Man City, in which case are we looking at Arsenal? Or are we being bold and looking at City themselves? Or are you going to tell me, listen, John, all I can concentrate on is Liverpool, and if Everton are going down, why on earth are you talking to me about Brighton? Um, Jake, who's your business and who isn't? It is Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> I have no Brighton notes. <laughs> no, I've, I've said before. I'm. A, I think my second favourite team in the world is is Brighton. But no, I think I've enjoyed. I think what's been good about coming back to having a bit of a break from the football. You know, last summer obviously we didn't have much of a break. We had the World Cup, and I felt very much. I was, you know, I felt very much sort of um, bloated and, and I'm fed up with it all. But I feel like there's the football's come back. There's a lot to be excited about. You know, there's a bit of bit of change. Um, I watched a lot of Celtic over the last couple of years, so I'm excited with the big angeness of um, Spurs as well. Made up like Harry Kane's fucked off because it just invites a new narrative, doesn't it? That isn't all about Harry Kane and don't want to see him in his sketches boots. Um, <laughs> so that's good. But yeah, I'm loving Brighton. I'm, I'm hating seeing James Milner look bossing and inverter fullback, uh, albeit. Looks nice in blue and white as well. He does, so. he, he does yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly always Team Moisey as well. I, I don't know why. I, I think it's because the Evertonians didn't like him, even when he was good for them. And I just think he's reinvented himself loads of times by just getting good players and good lads and big lads. And I've enjoyed watching. I like they didn't like Moyes because he couldn't win at the big clubs. And I'm like, yeah. that's the fucking least of your money. Yeah, so <laughs> that be the biggest problem. Exactly. So I'm enjoying that. I think Burnley's Vincent Cumpiness as well. I'm enjoying watching them. My so, suits. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting he's gone for the suits. I thought it'd be more of a tracksuit. And baseball no. cap as well. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Me too, yeah, put himself in the shot window already. We all, we, all, we all know what he's doing. Um, Just the part, be the part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know. Uh, but, um, 
But yeah, no, I think there's loads to be excited about, loads of teams to look forward to, and I, I won't take up all the teams, so some of the lads can talk about some mm, of the other I teams. I know, I'll yeah. go to your mode, but you can, you can repeat or, or change, mm. uh, depending on what you... I mean, for you... You know, when it comes to being sick of sports, you are the adage of a change is as good as well, the rest. You just rotate them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to say when you asked me who am I watching, you, the answer is you know I'm watching everybody. <laughs> like that's just a given. But uh, in terms of who I think is Liverpool's business, it's interesting because like I, you can kind of get caught up with this part of the season because we've had four games. Everyone's kind of played at home and away. Everyone's kind of played at least one big game. So you think you can start to make some conclusions but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. And I think at this stage of the season, we can't really rule out anyone, however comedic they look higher Chelsea. Then the point is, is that over the course of the season, you will start to catch up with everyone. You can see who's good teams, but you need a good squad to get into the top four and into the top six. So I reckon there's about half the league who are believing that they should be fighting for Europe, like in their dressing rooms, in their boardrooms, in their rooms or versions like this. They're all talking about Europe. And that's like 10, and there's, what, seven places? So I'm watching all of those other nine right now. In two months' time, I maybe will stop watching some of them a little bit more. It's a lot of work, Phil. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's what I would say. I was hoping we were going to whittle them down, but, yeah, but in, our, in, our, in our boardroom tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be saying, "Listen, uh, we might have to, we might have to split up and make notes, <laughs> present to each other this, each morning. This is what Brighton are up to. Yeah, James Milner's still looking great. Um, who, who are your business, or have you, or have you got in your head and it's fucking everyone? No, I've got my head of it. it, it and we've got to worry about the bottom six for reasons and we, we know do why. as well. Yeah, these are about four teams. Then <laughs> we just sort of ignore. Who are <laughs> our business yeah. um, no, I, I see. I see where Mo's coming from. I think. I think that belief is definitely there, and the way the season started definitely feels like that. I feel like I say this a lot. At the beginning of a new season, the idea of you know it looks different. That there seems to be the quality of the league's gone up. That you know teams are playing more expansively. But this time, it really does feel like that way. When you look at a lot of the games and and how a lot of the sides set up, it looks like you know not only are, are teams choosing their moments that they're, they're believing that they have to go periods of a game where they do need to sort of choose choose an area of that match depending not doesn't matter who they're against especially if they're against a big size actually and they have to really really go for it and I think that's going to make things quite interesting I think there's going to be a few more unexpected results than than normal but on the whole I think the the, the the traditional top six if you like you know are the traditional top six I think Chelsea the ones that sort of out outlier from that at the moment uh, but I do have my I do have my eye on 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 City and Arsenal especially I think I think you just have to go off you know last season in terms of what who the two teams were and how they were, you know, miles apart from everyone else, really for for most of the season. So I am measuring up against them too. I do, I do feel though Liverpool, you know, Liverpool are better than Arsenal. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly <laughs> what what's making me think that. But I just feel like if we were to play Arsenal early on in this season, I, I'd back us quite comfortably, um, which, which might be a bit mad, but. It's always going to be City, isn't it? I'm always going to think, let's go after the league. I think that's then how you whittle down to top four. It's hard to, it's hard now to sort of imagine going into a season going for top four um, at the start. I feel like if you go in with that, with that sort of hope for the league and and that expectation as well to an extent, it then helps you sort of you you, you can then sort of come down as the season goes. Um, coming up is also fun as well, but I think <laughs> I think coming down is a bit more more what I'm into right now. <laughs> If you had mentions there, if we came up against them, you know, you'd, you'd fancy Liverpool. And it is an interesting how the fixtures fall and how much it impacts on on your start and, and optimism and 
whether there's a good time to, to, to play people or whether it does sort of even itself out. I've shared something uh, this morning with everyone and it is from Opta Analysis and I'm going to sort of refer to it throughout the, the show today and I'll tweet it out. But basically, if you go to Opta, Opta Analysis, it's just theanalysis.com and there's an article from the start of the season, which is how hard is every Premier League team's start of the season. And it basically analyzes, I think based on where they finished last year, although it's Opta, they probably go into a little bit more than that. But, but we'll, we'll presume it's, it's largely based on you know recent league performances and recent league standings who had the the, the hardest fixtures and who had the opening ones and uh, sorry the, the easiest ones it does the first five and then it goes into the first ten which is quite interesting in itself to see how things you know might change over the next coming fixtures um, as I say I'll refer to it as we go but as a bit of a, a guide uh, and this is first five and obviously we've only played four and in fact Burnley and, and Luton have only played two but as a guide Chelsea have had the easiest start which is really really funny um, Spurs second easiest Manchester City third easiest it looked easy uh, I'm, I'm sort of <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a bit only third uh, but they did play Newcastle they did well last season and Arsenal uh, fourth and then, and then West Ham fifth so of those Five teams have had the easiest starts. Four of them have made really good starts. And so I guess if you look at that, Newcastle is the toughest, by the way. And I think that needs bearing in mind when we consider that they're only on three points. Uh, United is fourth tough, toughest and they're on six. Um, both teams that we'll, we will talk about at some point, I'm sure. But <laughs> moving aside from Chelsea, laughing at Chelsea for a minute, I guess when you look at Spurs, City, Arsenal, West Ham, they're good outliers of why they had good starts but to focus on Tottenham I'll spare your, your interest at the big moment and, yeah. and Big Ange it's not the worst thing in the world what's interesting is Jake when you flip from first five so the second easiest spares from the first ten have the easiest fixtures according to Opta and I, you've never seen me wrong before Jake and um, and so you know, you might say, well, you play everyone twice, but if everyone's feeling good and there's the big Ange factor and, and everyone's flying and it's Harry who, these things do matter, don't they? I think so, yeah. I mean, I would like to sit down, Mr. Opter, and go, like, listen, lad, how, how are you doing this? Because I feel like I need to know a little bit more devil in the detail and all that. Like, I, I understand how it works. But it does... It's just, there's probably small print, Jake, but I haven't got yeah, time for no, it. No, I'm me, not that kind of guy. Me neither. I, I don't need past two sentences. I haven't got the, haven't got the, uh, the, the mental attention. But it's, it's up to power rankings, the judging it by. But I, then fucking Neil probably comes up with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where he's been? <laughs> Locked in a bunker. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how he takes his time off, his annual leave. The um, bunker in Vegas. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, Neil wrote the agenda for this show. <laughs> Honestly, I text him on Saturday night going, like, I'm struggling here because I've been hosting most of the shows because he's been away and obviously Harriet's uh, situation as well and so I've been like you know any any ideas and he sent me a full fucking yeah. <laughs> I was like, just a big graph it's <laughs> right lad yeah. right have a nice have a nice holiday yeah. even scripts for the rest of us yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not sure about this, that yeah. I'm not sure about those scripts by the way <laughs> <laughs> you never upright you need a dickhead <laughs> go on fair play well listen yeah back to Tottenham I suppose is uh, I just think you know and uh, not to kind of like this this Neil's uh, agenda here, but I'm, I'm a little bit more touchy feely when it comes to football more than stats and numbers and things like that. And I do feel. Oh like no, he didn't do this after yeah, I swing. By the way, he just said talk about rivals. Okay, it's your fault then. Now, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think um, I think what he did at Celtic uh, and it kept me eye on that was coming from a you know Roman Catholic household. Uh, it was uh, it was was bring automatically bring a feel good factor. Um, 
back and and made it very much in a sort of Klopp esque manner, you know, and, and and he plays good football and goes about things the right way, and he's great in interviews. And I was a bit bit surprised when he went to Tottenham, to be honest, because I thought that he might have wanted a club that was a little bit more, you know, in I you know that identity than than sort of the poison chalice of Spurs, really. But I've been impressed of how he's just gone in and sort of things out. You know, they needed a, a centre half. He just brought Mickey Longlegs in. He looks great. Um, Quick, any? Yeah. Very quick. Um, would have loved them for us, big lads as well. You know, get behind that. Um, and I think he's handled the Kane situation brilliantly. You know, I think there's so many other managers that they would have had that just would have folded like a deck of cards if that had happened. And I think the fact that he's put more responsibility on Son changed the way that they played slightly. And and yeah, and just made Spurs fan enjoy going the game again. I think which is, which is a big thing. You know, we we had it, didn't we? Where it was where it was dull before Jurgen coming coming in straight away, start saying the right things. You start you start seeing the team doing what you want to see. And you know, football fans aren't that hard to please. You know, we just want to see our lads work hard and score all the goals. Yeah, I had Flav on the um, <laughs> the Friday show on Friday, and <laughs> and he was like. You know, everything's telling me to temper expectations, but I can't be asked. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I'm like, boss, I love all that. Do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Because that's the point of, of, of being a football fan and, you know, follow him on Twitter. And he's like, oh, we can't do it, but maybe we can. <laughs> Stuff like that. And that's how, and you can't run a, a football team on good vibes sort of forever. But if you've got 20 points after 10 games and good vibes, then, you know, you're in about, you, you, can, you can tell yourself a story. You continue to tell yourself the yeah. story. And this is where the easy start and know Europe helps. Definitely. And I think it does matter from team to team and from kind of situation to situation. But the way Spurs are, like you say, they kind of needed more than just a tactical refresh. They just needed an emotional refresh. Mm. And like you say, to enjoy it. So a good start, an easy start before they get into the big games. Because obviously they've got Arsenal coming up and <clears throat> say what you like about all the optimism they get pumped by Arsenal 3-0, then it's going to make it all yeah. different. So you want to have as much ammunition going into that game as possible if you're Ange. So you want to have as much, feel like you've got as much control over your situation. But results are key. Results are the thing that help you build those narratives. It gives you the time and space to be able to say to your players, look, this is what's happening. This is where we're going. And to kind of wind it back a little bit to Chelsea... I think it's really fascinating the fact that they've had an easy start and they've done badly. And I think that, again, shows you the psyche of that group. I think their best performance was against us, right? And when you're playing against a really good team, you have to have be all on the same page. You have to be keyed in, locked into the game plan. You have to give your best of yourself. They're play those kind of players. They're not really sure of the situation. It's all a bit mad at Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah. But they're playing Luton. We should be able to beat Luton. They're playing, but like you know, playing not in the forest. We should be able to beat them. So they're not going to be as keen. Did you're going to be get more selfish play? You're going to get more disorganized play, and that's what we've seen. I think if Chelsea had had the start at Newcastle, they'd have had got more points than Newcastle did. Yeah, well, perhaps uh, maybe that is the case. The the Kane thing is interesting because they haven't sort of directly replaced him, and 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 just talked about getting more goals from different places and stuff like that, and and it's working right now, but. The one negative I would say is that it doesn't look to me like Richarlison stepped up in the way that they would have liked Fuad and, you know, they haven't bought a number nine and obviously Son's still there and can do a bit central, but, you know, he's, he, I'm sure he'd rather have a focal point. Yeah. Um, you know, Son gets a hat-trick against Burnley and listen, he's still, he's still a really, you know, good player and he's a good finisher, but I don't think he wants to do loads of number nine and they, they, they tried a bit of Solomon sort of last time out in terms of dove dovetailing and, and things like that. He looks like a decent enough player, but... I don't know, I just wonder at some point, you know, do, do they go back into the market in January? Is that the thing? Because I think if it is going to sort of work long term, 
you know, I think I think they, they, they need more from Richarlison or they probably need to think about the fact that, you know, even if you can't directly replace Kane, then, then someone who can do better what he does might be needed. Yeah, definitely. You, you did talk quite a lot, didn't he, about um, scoring from other areas of the pitch, yeah. set pieces, all these different things that I think is always a good sign when a manager comes in, you know, something we saw with Jürgen quite early on as well. I think, yeah, it, it is interesting, the forward line. I think that's where I, I struggle to see them you know, really finishing that high up further down the season. I think that, like Mo said at, at the start, that's where the squad comes into it, and I just don't feel like they've got they've got uh, they've got a bit of depth there, but it's a lot of unknowns. They've let quite a few go on the slide as yeah. well in terms of not just Kane, but on, on loan and stuff like that. Like uh, Regulon going to United on yeah. loan and stuff like that. You know, Harry Winks who has gone, who, who isn't the best player in the world, but was was all right for like yeah. 10, 15 yeah. games no, a season was. and, and Sanchez stuff like as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Sanchez. He was on the bench last game, and so you know, his his part of squads going. Yeah, and, and well, he brings back Lacelso, doesn't he? Which is which is interesting, and 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 I think you know, there's also Endombele who's who's hanging about, or has he gone back? From no, I think, I think he's, he's gone as well. Yeah, has he gone as well? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so yeah, it, it is it is interesting because it doesn't feel like there's a natural Madison replacement if he's out for any period of time in terms of playing in that role as such or doing the things he can do. And and look, that's something that that I think he's one of those players you just sort of have to ride with because he will have spells where he will be breathtaking and and have you know streaks of games where he's going to be getting goals and assists. But I do feel he is one where you know and just natural in that position it does dry up, it does go away for a little while. And whether they can replace that, whether there's enough sort of in that team and around it, I'm not so sure. I think there's a lot of unknowns with those attackers. Son's the only one really who you can hang your hat on and be like he is going to get you this amount of goals per season. And that's fine for the for the position Spurs are in that they that they, they should be figuring these things out. I think Kulusevski has a lot of potential. I think you know Solomon also is a bit of an unknown, but I wouldn't rule out him getting the best out of Richarlison I wouldn't rule it out just because I feel like there has, there has, there has been that big change there hasn't there the vibe has completely shifted and you can't downplay that considering what they had before they had two managers before who, who you know seemed quite miserable if we're all being honest and that probably translated to the to the players as well so I'm 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 hesitant to put too much on them in terms of finishing top four but I think they, they'll have fun yeah he's a, he's a moments guy Richardson, isn't he like you saw the way he reacted when he scored that goal against us like yeah. if that had meant something, I think Brilliant. we'd have been seeing a different player yeah. by now. I mean, I'm very glad it didn't. <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm really pleased you brought it up now because I temporarily forgot about. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah no, there we no, go. No. But um, yeah, if, if, say say he scores a winner against Arsenal, then that would do the same thing for him. But I do think that there are other ones that Spurs have got on the horizon. Like they were talking about Gift Orban out as well, but. I think to bring him in at the end this summer probably would have been a mistake. You don't want to give everyone else, like you say, a chance to breathe, a chance to kind of get out from under the shadow of Kane, see where they are. Brennan Johnson comes in as well, right? He does, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, although, I mean, I'm still to be convinced by his actual goal output, yeah. genuinely. But, <laughs> yeah, I, Spurs are going to be a team that's always going to be worth watching. But I don't think they will actually yet, by the end of the season, going to grow into a team where you can predict how they're going to play. I still think they're going to be up and down. See, Spurs are a funny one for me because they've actually finished above us in the, the table more often than you think. You think, oh, Spurs are just Spurs. Where well, it was actually, certainly before before Jürgen Klopp or even in the early days of Jürgen Klopp, if you looked at a sort of a seven or eight year period, like more yeah. often than not, they finished above us. But I do still think if in March we're saying Spurs are our business, and then you say to me, does that mean Spurs have had a good season or Liverpool have had a shit? Well, have a good season. I like apologies uh, to Spurs, but that's just where I am. Um, but if Arsenal are our business in February, March, then that suggests to me maybe um, we'll be doing a little bit stronger. Is is that is that your feeling? I think they're an interesting one to me, Arsenal. They've got 10 points, but then they do drop points in, in that um, 
and that Fulham game, which you feel like Woody Woody would have won that um, sort of last season. The transfers are interesting as well, Jake. To start with you again, because you know Declan Rice is the headline one because you know he's all the money and he's he's got a big goal already. And listen, we know he's a good player. He, he seemed like you know a sure thing in terms of not necessarily is he going to be worth all that money, but you knew he'd do well there, and that's that's what you pay your premium for. You know, greater knowledge and greater certainty, but. Of the other ones, the fact that Timber's out for the season already is a massive blow for them. You know, they work so hard to get him. All the clubs were involved and they convinced them to go there and then you just lose him straight away. And Kai Avert, I'm just not having. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I do, I, I think there's, there's maybe a still question marks, you know, about them. And yeah, I think whether, are they our business or not? I think we've got to respect where they finished last season and again, sort of, you know, how they started. They are on 10 points, but... I feel like if we're doing everything we should do and, and can do, I still think we'll finish above them. But where are you with Arsenal? Yeah, I, I think us, us, them and City are the, the three best teams in the country. And I think ultimately um, City are out on their own and a, a little bit and it's, and it's down, down to us to down to us to kind of chase them. Um, I feel like, the, again, if we'd have kind of gone one-on-one -on -one with them now and we were playing them now, I'd be confident in Liverpool, but I do think it'd be a 50-50 game. Um, one thing I will say about them lovely lovely strips that they've got this season <laughs> um, been, impressed, been impressed with whoever's doing the creative um, but what I think the one thing that I don't really get about them at the moment is is uh, they've been on this trajectory for the past sort of two three years of, of playing a certain way and, and Arteta kind of building up to to make them believe and make them a way of playing and I think it's with the similarities to, to what we're doing and what, what they're doing is I think we're both doing mad things in systematically and, and, and positions there a little bit and maybe that's because you're worried about other teams working us out but you know one thing that was labelled at Guardiola quite a bit is he could be too much of a smart ass for his own good at times and I don't know whether Arteta's got a little bit of that in him considering that he's kind of um, you know school of pep isn't he um, and you think you've seen that already this season you know people playing slightly different positions like you said the Havertz thing's a bit mad isn't he looks a little bit square pegs round holes and I think the timber thing's a massive blow to them he was the one I wanted for yeah, Liverpool me too. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, ultimately the, the, the fact that they're playing the young line centre forward as well, he's been he's been doing great, he's been scoring goals, hasn't he? But I, I think that'll dry up at some time. So I do feel like there's a, there's more question marks over Arsenal than I thought there would be at the start of the season, to be honest with you. But are you at Arsenal now? Um, kind of similar. Uh, although I do understand what Arteta is trying to do. It took me a while to kind of figure it out. But I think you're spot on, Jake, when you say he's worried about people figuring them out. He's also seen kind of how you progress and how you not only become the best team, but how you maintain it. That's the thing he learned from Pep. And you always got a sense from the Man City team that although they kind of knew the game plan, they were always on their toes. They were always being challenged. And I think Arteta's buying into that by saying, look, we can't just sit still because other teams will catch us up. Everyone else is spending money. We need to keep putting new things into the team that make us better. And Declan Rice was one. But genuinely, excuse the pun, I think losing Timber cut them off of the knees in terms of this season's game plan. Enjoyed that. I mean, very cashier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tried to do it low key, but I had to. See you reading that also, Q. Neil, but Neil, that's joke. Yeah, the script wasn't all bad. <laughs> but no, I do genuinely think that there was a little bit of scrabbling around for that list because he was so keen on doing that and he trained him to do that. And Thomas Partey had played fullback for Atletico Madrid, so he was in his mind, he's like, okay, we can. I don't have to scrap everything, we can maybe mix and match it with this. 
With Kai Havertz, I never really thought like he was plan A. I feel like they brought him in, even though he cost a lot of money, I still think they brought him in as a kind of a guy who can come off the bench or fill a hole. And you've seen that from where he started. He started all over the place already. I think they are still a little bit like defensively, particularly fullbacks. I think that might be their weakness, but they are going to be a problem. They are going to be a good side. I think they're going to do particularly well in the Champions League as well. I do think that that's something... Got a nice crew. Yeah, they're going to go into that and, and they're going to really attack it and believe that... They, 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 they believe that that's their competition. They were in it for a long, 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 long time in one go. And now they've been gone for a long time. So they're looking to put down roots again. So I think that that's going to be an interesting thing. How that will affect them going into the last stage of the season, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know whether or not their budget allows them to go back in if in January, if maybe they feel like they need an extra one just to go for the push. Because they spent, what, nearly 200 million in the, in the summer? And for some clubs, that actually matters. They've, they've got a new song. Uh, it's about North London oh, yeah. and there's a big debate on Twitter about whether it's any good or not and I feel like going you're missing the point ladies and gentlemen let's face it it's gents women have got other things to worry about um, but the, the men arguing over whether it's a good song or not and how it rates up and up it's mainly West Ham basically it's, uh, so how it rates against I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles is a real debate a surprising debate on Twitter wow. but I think they're missing the point um, I think the point is it exists and the point is yeah. the whole grand thing in it and I think when we've been flying and we've been on big adventures it's always been soundtracked by like big new songs and stuff like that and the fact that all show me love yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and so so when these things happen it's sort of suggestive of, of, of kind of something to me and the fact that the whole stadium singing it the fact that it was written by you know so uh, yeah. you know the, the story behind the song and how it sort of emerged and now it's, it's this big thing you know, I don't really care whether how how I haven't I haven't done an analysis of the lyrics. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, that this this is something. Thing. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 you're right. I I think I've seen some of the debate. I think it's been about how people like change their accent for it, and people <laughs> get get annoyed about that. That seems to be a bit of a thing. Some people have voted that it's too new, and I'm like, well, it's got to well. fucking start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, songs just don't emerge. Fifty years old. Oh. <laughs> yeah, where's, where's this wow. song's heritage? <laughs> I mean, technically, Arsenal's heritage is in South London, not North London, but that's. Uh, let's get involved in the debate then. <laughs> um, no I, I think I, I, I completely agree I, I, Mo and I did the top six show not, not too long ago and, and we were sort of talking about this a little bit in terms of how they have got a bit of a story to tell themselves, haven't they? And and they've, they've started to collect big moments in that stadium as well, which I think is yeah. really important under a new manager, new players, you know, all these sorts of things and build this togetherness that we, you know, we always talk about. I, I always think about 16, 17 when, when we're talking about size sort of building to something because, you know, that was the first year where I really felt like, you know, Liverpool had a, a natural progression and, and look, Arsenal are ahead of that. They, they, they sort of skipped that bit in a sense and, and, you know, went straight from not being in the Champions League to challenging for the league last year, which is great, I guess, but it can also have its problems, can't it? Because I feel like there's that pressure to to back that up again this season. You know, they, they won't be thinking just top four, will they? But they've only been in the Champions League one year now after quite a few years out and they've had those near misses as well. So I wonder if that does play on the mind. But these big moments that they've had, they've already beaten United in, in quite a dramatic way. They've had, they've had the whole of last season as well and, and, and things like the song, things like that little singing group that they now have at the, at the front of one of the stands. And, you know, there seems to be that thing there where 
you know, they're almost losing that Arsenal fan TV type yeah, vibe about yeah. them. Do you know what I mean? That they are becoming this club that that has that positive energy on and off the pitch, and that is dangerous. You know, we we, we can talk about how it's how we've used utilized it, how the the team and manager weaponized it, if you like. But other 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 people can do it as well, <laughs> and it's something to, to be sort of wary about from our point of view. Our point of view, but I still feel on the pitch, you know that. That there are enough problems, there are enough things there that I feel like Liverpool are just better than that and can get them with. So I'm still confident in terms of us being better at doing all that than they are and the songs. <laughs> they had a, a sort of thing from half time this morning. Well, I saw it this morning, it was from half time in, in one of the home games this season. This big sort of brass band they had sort of playing, and loads of people were watching it. And people were like, oh, would you want this in your club or not? And I was like, fucking, you know, you'd have a job the lowest sense here. <laughs> <laughs> if you got them in, if you'd be more room for anyone else, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they've got these big wide concourses. They're more work for you as well. You know what? Yeah, yeah, what a match they are. Listen, the Liverpool Bass Band, New Fork, we've got the national championships at the weekend, oh, by the way. The Liverpool Bass Band, the straight in there, national, you know, qualified from the Northwest. Not the only people in Europe, tell you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll look out for the Liverpool Bass Band on, on Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll make a market at Anfield in some ways <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if anyone wants to book us uh, weddings and wakes do uh, <laughs> our business though at the Arsenal do it very much yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. good side yeah. Yeah. thumbs up um, <laughs> 4 out of 5 our business rating so <laughs> I want to talk about West Ham I mean they've done, I think the, they feel a bit better without Rice which is quite a yeah. fun thing but does anyone want to talk about West Ham or should we move on um, just to say the same as what was said about Spurs I think that they've got a very good first 11 I still think it's mad that um, essentially Michael Antonio is their striker. Yeah, and I think he thinks it's mad. As well. <laughs> yeah. I think he's like, think really the forward, you know. Yeah, and like, I think it was really interesting. Someone asked him about Skamaka towards the end of last season, and you would expect him, who's it's his rival for his place, you expect him to be hammering him, and he was like, I feel really sorry for him. Actually, you can tell he's like, he's not used to playing centre forward for David Moyes. He's like, he's a normal, actual good striker. Yeah. Like, playing centre forward for David Moyes is a very different thing. So, yeah. if they can find some someone else to bring into the group to do that then I think they can sustain but again I think they might be dangerous in Europe he sounded well, a lot yeah. from Ajax haven't he he, he looks fielder is he oh, a yeah. midfielder Kudus, yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's played, oh Kudus as well yeah, yeah he's yeah, a yeah. wide forward yeah. Yeah. he's not going to run yeah he'll, he'll get goals but uh, and to be fair Moyes might turn him into a striker to be yeah. fair yeah. Antonio <laughs> came in as a right back didn't he <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's just all action yeah. he's just all action yeah. Michael Antonio he, he's great I think they'll I think they'll go well in Europe he seems to yeah. have got this love affair for, with it I've done these sorts of the last few years and I, I think they, they enjoy it and why not it's good fun isn't it yeah but let's and, face and, it. and Bowen's also one you can hang your hat on in terms yeah. of scoring goals as well so he's got you know bits from other parts of the team and let's see what Paqueta does as well because he yeah. seems better this year he's, he's quietly probably one of the most experienced managers in the Europa League UEFA Cup yeah. as well so I think that was one thing that went amiss last season with their run he's probably done more games than as, or as many he's definitely top two top three than any other manager so yeah Moisey will never die <laughs> It's a ginger thing. I was just going to say that. Yeah, Gin ginger Anglo Celtic thing. <laughs> Stick together. Definitely. You Big, lads. Sando. <laughs> Big lads. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Uh, I think Joe, Joe Bowen's coming to Liverpool next season, by the oh. way. I, uh, I'm prepared to show my notes at a later stage. Yeah. We haven't got time for it today, but just have a little look at Danny Dye will love the Met Quarter. <laughs> I'm just saying just just have a look at who his agent is just have a little oh, look okay. a, little, a little look everyone listening at his agency and the other people that they've got on the books and wonder why is Bow in there but anyway um, I'll leave it with you Man United fuck it out um, <laughs> does it does it <laughs> shake it yes I don't mind the, the 
the jacket of the away kit they should just play in that don't yeah. mind it no the, the, jacket. the jacket do you know what I mean when yeah. they come out they look good and then they take it off and the actual kit United shit. Stripes is weird it's awful don't yeah. like it you've yeah. got a weird like Pure thing with blue as well they wear blue more than you think like in the history Weirdos. which is strange Catch us doing that. <laughs> uh, I like that they're now having a fight with the fans, the dedicated fans. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's a thing where basically the people who've been trying the best to get the atmosphere going in that stadium that's fucking falling apart in front of the worst lads on earth on the pitch, and they've even managed to pick a fight with them, uh, which I, is like, oh, come on. I mean, in the summer of kind of having to worry about things apart from football, they are having a banner year. Like yeah. And so, yeah. like you say, they're now kind of doing it to themselves but it just kind of gives off the vibe of a team and an organization that's still not all working in the same direction and that direction is not forwards like every time you can look at them bring in a good player and think okay well maybe that will help there's something else like as a group we've spoken about Arsenal and their togetherness even talk about West Ham and their togetherness and us when we've been good you don't see it there like even when I think about like goal celebrations. Like, do you ever remember seeing goal celebrations where they've all been together, or is it just Rashford in the corner doing his thing? It's mostly that. Like, and that might be a bit glib, but I do think that if you're trying to improve as a team, you need to all believe you're together. And say what you will about Jaden Sancho, like he might not necessarily have been putting it in in training. If you're the manager, you might feel like that you're justified in calling him out of that. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's now created a conflict and there are going to be people within that dressing room who side with Jaden Sancho who remember all what he was saying about his mental health issues and feel like, maybe that's not the best way to kind of deal with this boss. So all of that's kind of folding into the stuff that's going out on the pitch. So then... You get into a situation where you go home against Nottingham Forest, a game you should be winning, a game you should be winning easily, and you're 2-0 down in five minutes. Yeah. You're thinking, what the fuck's happening here? <laughs> yeah. And I just don't think that even bringing in someone like Amrabat, who I think is going to be a better player than some of the players they've used in that position, even if they get Hoyland into a situation where he's doing regular things, they still don't have that clip. They still don't look like they know what they're all supposed to be doing and then they all agree with what yeah. they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think the, the ownership thing is just massively hanging over them. And I think <laughs> it's silly because it always turns into an argument over transfer spend. And yeah. that's partly Gary Neville's yeah. fault uh, <laughs> because he's, he's just the worst. You know, he, he's, he's, got a, he's got a good point, but he just makes a shit argument for it. And it's not a spend thing. It's like the, you know, it's the whole like the, the fish rots from the head down or, or the head up uh, from yeah. the head. And um, and it is just where, where I think the, the, having the issues around the football club isn't to do because they're spending loads isn't to do with transfers it's everyone's obsession with transfers and sorts of stuff like that but there's basically just there's obviously been no direction there's obviously been poor leadership they've employed badly in yes. terms of you know forget about the managers for a second you know it's 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 above the managers yeah. it's chief executive level it's board level you know it, it is it's a dysfunctional football club and you're seeing that on the pitch 100 percent. i mean it, it, it is a thing of the the bad culture and and the uncertainty and lack of direction stemming from from the top and what feels like is happening is you know they bring in a ten Hag, for example and and to, to sort of stop that from filtering down into the players and everything else and he does at the start and he, you know it, it comes in with this freshness and and new ideas and you see some of it but then because it's it's so sort of powerful and there's so much of it 
coming from above him. It, 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 there is no choice but it coming down as the everyday culture of of the players, the the, the staff, and everything. And yeah, the, the, the Jaden Sancho thing is really interesting to me. Obviously, there's the personal things and you know the mental health side that we don't know about. And you don't want to sort of speculate about. But you know, if you just think back to what Jaden Sancho was before yeah. he came to Man United, and and you know everything that came round him and the sort of player he was, to see what's happened, and and you can also now point at other players and other other cases, it's it it just it just stinks, doesn't it? Yeah. In terms of a, of a club, you know, having systemic problems, it can't just be fixed by one or two personnel. It has to be the people above the manager, and the people making those decisions, appointing those people, are the owners. So if they haven't got the ability or the or the sort of want even the desired then then you know yeah yeah there is big issues there and investing into the club starting problems with the fans we've seen that all before haven't we we've seen how that how that script sort of goes so I think you need a flag with a knob on with, <laughs> with, with their yeah. version of personal yeah. I, I really felt like that really you know hit the start of the grand ball rolling uh, from a Liverpool but more flags with knobs on for yeah. me yeah uh, maybe we'd get that over to whoever we know at Man United and, <laughs> I think I'm bono ass it's not doing anything yeah. I wonder if it still exists got <laughs> the personal knob flag text it's in. a filler. <laughs> <laughs> Text there if you've got it in your garage. Uh, he, he just telling me that he still exists. Um, there, there's a show for the there's a show for the international break, isn't it? Yeah. We go on the hunt of the personal knob flag. <laughs> um, the Sancho thing is 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 funny to me, Jake, because I don't know who's right and who's wrong in this situation, but. <laughs> I did see over the last couple of days that apparently Ten Hag was a bit taken back with the reaction, like, oh, fucking hell, I wasn't expecting all this. And you're like, come on, mate. You've basically just said, you've thrown him under the bus. And you're like, well, I didn't expect him to get run over. (laughs) It's like, like, you know, I have to say, I don't know who's right or wrong, but this idea of like, oh, I didn't expect, you know, you're like, well, it's it's sort of going to happen when you do that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I actually quite like about him is is he takes no prisoners. You know, he, he you know I quite like see, like seeing that in this day and age. You don't see much of it anymore. Do you? I thought the way they handle similar to you at Seth Park Rangers. Not, not quite. I'm more of a you know arm around the shoulder type of guy and by, by the Mishandi and then fuck them off. But um, but it's a. Uh, it, I think the way he handled like the Ronaldo situation could be seen as a little bit cold, but I thought up quite well. He handled it quite well. Um, but there is, I do kind of agree with what everyone said. You know, it, it does kind of feel like that the issues are, are more than him. Um, I do, I do feel it like it's quite one of the things that I've seen as quite strange. Though, is it, I think I'm right in saying is when he was at Ajax, he, you know, he's very much seen as a head coach and did, you know, a lot of the coaching. I don't think he was doing the signings, but it feels like this summer he's kind of took mm. a bit of a lead with the signings. I think it's quite interesting. Obviously, big budgets and the, the strategy kind of looks a little bit all over the place as normal, doesn't it? I think you know, Onana's come into a lot of stick. I do feel like he he will be good over the five years or whatever he, he ends up playing for them, but. It is a little bit all over the place, and he's still, you know, when you think that you've seen a summer where Harry Kane's moved, who's kind of guaranteed 30, 35 goals for similar sort of money as the other lad that they brought in, who scored about 18 goals in Serie A. I found that very strange. Um, and it does kind of, I still don't know what formation they play, I still don't really know what they do, and there is a lot of sort of unhappy people there, isn't there? So, but yeah, none of our business. Fuck them. They're in Europa League. See, this is one thing I would say. Just all, everything I've all said is true. I do still think they are our business. Though. Okay. And this is I mean, because, that is the topic of the show. Yeah. Bringing it back, Mo, thanks. <laughs> and this is because they do still have quality players. Who Striker can, looks quite... Who started off shit last season as well, didn't he? Right in saying that. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah they got so, beat 4-0 until we rolled into town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah basically, we, we, we sorted that out. <laughs> we were, there, we, we, we yeah. were their fluffers last yeah, season, but that's exactly. not going to happen this time. Oh, yeah. But, but um, I do... Only like, for about six months, though. <laughs> it was enough, trust me. Um 
they have still got enough good players. They, I mean, as we saw against London Forest, they do still have a bit of that aura at Old Trafford where they can kind of turn it around. So I still expect them to be in and around the mix of the things that we want. But I do think that we're better. And I do think if the push comes to shove, it's between us and them. I'm still picking us. Is right. Uh, okay, we'll have another little break now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Chelsea and Newcastle and finish a little bit on the Reds, of course. But before all that, I just wanted to play you a little clip from the Bacon Butty Show, which we do every Monday morning without fail and didn't miss it uh, today. So here is a little clip of me and Andy talking about these stories around Jürgen Klopp going to Germany and why it's a load of nonsense. As soon as the Germany manager job comes up, he's going to get linked. You worried at all? Do you ever worried? You worried no. now? I can't see it. I mean, I've been surprised in the past, I'll be honest. But no, I can't see it. Loads of reasons. Um, I mean, before we get into the Liverpool bit, I think international football will do his head in. It he, he seems like the lad, the fellow who wants to be on the training ground every day. Like, not micromanaging, but just living and breathing it every day and being in control of everything. Whereas, obviously, if you're an international manager, you, you can only work with what you're given. You can't go and tell, I don't know, the, the, the dormant manager how you want you to train the players and yeah. set up tactically or you can't get on the phone to buy Munich and go hey lad listen we want to do this and it's whether <laughs> yeah I often think Jürgen's damned with faint praise when you know the people talk about him being full on and all that and I think it under underappreciates actually that he's tactically he's actually sound like yeah. he knows what he's doing. When we're at our best, we're so well drilled. Oh, yeah. That comes from the training But ground. that's repetition, repetition, yeah. repetition, repetition. Can you do that in them short windows with it's international really squads? Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think, I, I honestly don't think you can. Um, so that's from the actual footballing side. From the other side of it, he just seems reinvigorated at the minute. Like this whole Liverpool, t- I'm, I'm glad it's become a marketing thing and Verge actually mentioned that this Liverpool version two thing. You know, and it doesn't strike me as someone who'd walk out mid-project. Had it been 12 months ago, before he signed his new contract, I'd go, all right, hang on, yeah. this might be a problem here. Yeah. But like, he's come out, you mentioned it before, he looks happy, he looks reinvigorated, he looks like he's into something. And you can see where the improvement, you can see this new Liverpool. I mean, Jordan Henderson, one of the bits he did say in his interview, which he hasn't been absolutely slaughtered for, because then he spoke to the manager and he's saying, you know, Jürgen's dead happy with his signings and you can see why. So I, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not worried in the slightest. I mean, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what you think, but like, I think the rebuild is, is everything. And look, as great as the Liverpool sides were, and he built the greatest Liverpool side I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, Liverpool we want, he did, without doubt. But you say, I know change is good as rest, it's a bit of a cliche, but you wonder with these players, if you've been there six, seven years, especially in in the midfield, so if you're a forward, you score goals, you're happy, aren't you? Whereas if you're in, in, in that midfield and you're hearing the same message every day, do you go deaf to me? Do you go a little bit deaf? Whereas you bring in fresh bloods and then, you know, it, you can start, you can start from, the, you can start again, start from day one and it's a new experience, not just for the players, but for the manager himself. 
Okay, welcome back to the room. I've still got Mo, we've still got Jacob, we've still got Phil. If you enjoyed that little clip and you want more, make sure you're downloading the Amphio Rap app or you can sign up on Patreon now as well. Or you, if you just want the video stuff and that is a subscriber video and you're watching on YouTube, you can join on YouTube as well. I think I got all the words right. It's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's, it's tough. Join, subscribe, just get involved. Patreon one is that a new one? It is, mate, yeah. 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 Um, all, right. the, all the cool kids are on Patreon, aren't they? So we mm-hmm. thought we'd we'd give it a go. Uh, do you allow, you know, we've got all the, the best shows on there you can search a little bit better it's, only it's, fans next I mean if, if, that, that'll be when times are tough <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the rap struggling uh, if, if I'm pimping through out <laughs> but, but, but there we are Hope, hopefully it doesn't come to that yeah hopefully not <laughs> to be fair I think you do well that's I, know, it's more, I think it's more the awkward calls following his mum that he's not looking forward to <laughs> I'm not no, sure what my niche is to be honest yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure what I'm feeling to I've no, seen, I'm, I'm I've seen your feet <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's, let's move on from two <laughs> yeah. um, Chelsea's still mad too yeah they are they're absolutely insane um, and I've just read before that Lavia's out possibly till after the October international break as well so that's a, another one of their new lads who they're just never going to see probably for, for a, a long time they decided not fit enough anyway didn't they so they yeah. were just sort of like building him up and then they broke him they are broken and, and, and it's the thing is, I, I really struggled with them because I've, I've watched them a fair bit, especially the first couple of games. Obviously, we play them. But even after that, and I, you know, you, you can see things like there's little bits of, 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 of everyone that sort of they've signed and every sort of player you haven't heard of who's playing for them that you, you sort of go, oh, okay, yeah, he's got, a bit of, he's got a bit of something about him. I think that, that the striker Jackson is good. He's going to come good at some point. It's just, it's just the, the balance of expectation now versus expectation, long-term expectation mm-hmm. and long-term sort of targets. And I think that's where the trouble starts to build because I feel like it's easy for a manager to say, we're, we're in a process, we're at the start of a process, we've got all these new things, you know, you, you lot have all come in and, and we're going to build towards this. But if they aren't seeing enough signs early on, if they're not, see, if they're not, if, if there's not enough things to buy into, if there's not enough moments in that in that stadium where they'll be able to share with the fans and you know have those moments like Arsenal have, have had over the last couple of years, then it does become tough. And I think I think they are our business to bring it back to the the, the topic of the show, purely because they could just be streaky. They could just they could go on a bit of a run where suddenly they do feel really feel like our business and then lose a couple or three back-to-back against someone you don't expect. And I think that's where it becomes a bit tricky. It's it's sort of it's sort of not a title challenge as such, but a disruptor almost. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's where I, I could see them sort of har- harming us or interfering with us. You're nodding, Mo. Yeah, that's kind of, that whole disruptor element, that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. It's like, you can't really trust them enough to make a sustained challenge, yeah. but you can trust them to be good enough to do what, well, to go up against any team on their day. It's going to be interesting to see how much patience Chelsea have with the situation because I do think we forget Graham Potter kind of started well. Yeah, yeah, didn't he? And then they lost to Brighton. And then it was all like, oh, well, if you lost to them, then surely we're not that good. And then I think psychology plays a big part in Chelsea, not just in terms of the way they are as the dressing room, the decision makers, the fan base, they all seem to have a hair trigger. And again, it's really hard to develop and to build in that environment. If you were to say to me that Chelsea and their fans were going into the same season with their same expectations as Spurs in terms of what they can achieve, then I'll say, okay, that sounds fair enough. They might have more quality players in there, but you've got the upheaval factor which you have to put in. And then you'd say, okay, that that feels normal. 
Chelsea aren't going to have that. No. Chelsea are going to believe that they have. Chelsea have to get in the top four. Yeah. They spend all this fucking money. If they don't get into the Champions League, then they'll just spend it again. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so the next summer it's going to be even more mad, basically. So all the players they've bought, they're going to start selling them. Like, So, again, in that scenario, it's hard to say any kind of real development. Like, But they will always be dangerous. I do think that they've got, like, again, it's one of those where you look at that squad and you think, okay, if you could just guarantee that this seven or eight players are going to be available every week, then this is a very good football team. But you can't you can't do that in football. And you can't really guarantee that it's not going to be upheaval amongst those players themselves. So it's just a really hard team to predict. The hardest team to predict, I think, because they should be good, but then it's Chelsea. Do you still get it together at some point, Jake? Is that your feeling? Or do you think, actually, you know, it, it, it might just not happen for them this season, at least? First things first, priorities, yeah. Um, shit kit. That's a, that's a lot, <laughs> it's, had, it's had a lot of praise. Why have you got to blow away, kit? Yeah, I don't... Like, that's yeah, the just, maddest thing. I just they shouldn't be allowed to that, do that's that. That's symbiotic of what's going on there, and it's strategically, I think. But um, to go back to your question, John... Uh, I think he's too much of a good manager not to get a good. I do feel like he was like an excellent appointment, and I and I would put him up there with your Klopp, your Guardiola's, and and I think Pochettino is an, is an excellent coach. I just think it's it's a mad mad situation. I think what we'll probably see is the the benefits of the fruit of Pochettino's labour next season, probably mm. um, once he kind of gets it right and decides which squad of twenty five he actually wants. Um, but I think this season we might see them blow hot and cold, and I think we've probably already seen that. I thought I was actually quite really impressed with them against us, but yeah. then but then they kind of fell off a cliff ever since, haven't they? Um, but yeah, I think we'll see, see a lot of that. But I'm right in saying no Europe, aren't they? Because they, yeah. they, so mm, yeah. I, I think that'll help them massively. I, it will to an extent. Yeah. I do think once you get into a situation where you've got time to build and you've got time to game plan and you can kind of spend more time with the players, convince them of the plan, so then everyone buys in, that's great. But less games, big squad, means potentially a lot of unhappy players sitting around kicking their heels, not playing. Yeah, That might be the problem. And to be fair, that was kind of the problem he had to deal with the PSG as well. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll move on. I've just realised we've not done Manchester City yet. Um, so, we, so, so we need, need slightly more time. I went past them and then forgot to sort of circle back. But with Newcastle, um, I'll start with you, Fu. They, they, on this um, this optimal analysis thing, it says they got the, they got the toughest start of the first five fixtures. Mm. Uh, if you then go on to the first ten, it's still the fourth hardest, which suggests it is, it is a tough start, but it, but it gets slightly better. Um, a bit like inflation in the UK. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Not as bad as it was. <laughs> it's still, still going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. God, that was topical, wasn't it? Get, get me on politics. Oh, yeah. um, the, it's a tough start and you have to bear the mind. What I would say, though, is I think Europe starts now and that's mm. going to be sort of a distraction for them and they're all dead into it and singing all the songs and, that, and that's great but it, it, they didn't have Europe last season and so although I think everything does equal itself out eventually in terms of who you play and stuff like that I think I think when can be key and I think they'd have liked a nicer start because I think Europe is going to be sort of a, a big thing for them really and so I think that if they could have chose the, the fixtures to be to fall in a slightly different way I think they would have for that reason definitely uh, and it's no uh, it's no easy Champions League group as well their one right it's Milan yeah, they're, they're uh, not gonna be, they, they might go through. I think they might go through, but but they're not going to be able to rest anyone. No, any no, and and like immediately, I think of, of of their start, and you're playing against big sides already, like they have, and you haven't won against them, and then you're going up against other big sides in Europe this time in a new competition, all these new things. 
it's a squad and a team and a manager who don't have that experience either. I think Tenali is probably the one who's played in Europe the most out of any of them in terms of last stages of competitions and things. And that, that does count for something, doesn't it? Um, I, I feel like we've already seen a bit of Eddie Howe, not, not insecurity, I think that's a bit too far, but just sort of questioning things a little bit here and there with, with how they've started the season and the decisions he's made in game. Uh, especially against us, I think, and uh, and I think that that all feeds into it. That all sort of feeds into this idea of of not just being inexperienced, but you know they've they've come from a way of playing like they did last season, where they were really solid and really built from from the back, and they in a lot of ways. And now they're going to have to be a bit more, bit more expansive. They're going to have to sort of back themselves a little bit more. And I, I do think they do have a weakness in that in that area of the pitch and in, in, in the sort of central defenders and in defensively, where where they don't really have that confidence in each other necessarily to play in that in that way and I think that's probably going to be a bit of a problem for them the tough start though they can tell themselves the story about the tough start and that's that will be you know that will be helpful but it's a really really big period for them when it does ease up to to win those games because I think if they don't and they are inconsistent they are none of our business (laughs) when I look at Newcastle Jake I think of last season where it felt like everything sort of went for them and that's not to take anything away from them because I think on the pitch you know, they did a really good job and I think the manager, you know, if you look at it from a coaching point of view, how he managed to gel together the, the new players with with the old and some that Steve Bruce didn't even fancy. I think they do deserve credit for what happened last season, but I also think they, you know, they got a bit of luck and they got a decent tailwind and, and things went, they got a bit of momentum like we were talking about with Spurs before and they were able to, to ride that wave because of that sort of football club. I feel like this season we're already say, seeing you know, the other side when things don't quite go for you and, and how they want and how, you know, listen, it's not going to fall apart there. I don't think they're going to they're finish bottom half or, or anything like that. But, but how it is fine margins off in football and, and, you know, a couple of balls that they were getting the nice bounce of last season it isn't quite happening for them this season, both both on the pitch, both literally and metaphorically the, the yeah. bounce of the ball. No, it, exactly. I think there's the, the, the two major things I play are is one, how do they as a team deal with being a sort of big team with the emphasis mm. on them to go and win the game and then the second thing is how, how does the manager go and do it there's a difference between what, how the manager wants them to do and what the what the players want, want, want to go and do ultimately because he can only be saying what he, he wants to say they've got to go and deliver it and I think we saw that perfectly against us you know when kind of going down to 10 men the emphasis was on them a bit more it was almost them fighting to, to prove that they they're at our level or the better than us or whatever and, and he kind of flapped it a little bit didn't he and I think that's what that's the really interesting thing. I think there's there's clear sort of parallels between the start of City and, and where they are now. It reminds me a little bit when Mark Hughes was doing decent at the start and then they just quite quickly lost patience with him and thought, fuck him and went got Mancini. And I think probably something similar is going to happen. It looks like they're a little bit more well-connected there at Newcastle, but it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he lost his job this season, genuinely, and they just brought somebody in with a bigger calibre because it is a different job being a big club being a big team it, it, it is kind of different sort of mentality that it brings and going into the Champions League and all that you know don't think that you know Eddie Howe starting from scratch there and I do rate him and I do think what the, the job that they're doing there is good I don't like his little idiot mate who sits next to him <laughs> but um, but I think ultimately he's, he's bit off a lot more than he can chew it was almost like they've, he's progressed too much I think last season yeah. that can happen. Sometimes you can yeah. get it. You can get ahead of yourselves, and then, and then you know, optimism changes, expectation changes, exactly. and then suddenly you're trying to temper it, which I don't really feel like suits them as a club. It doesn't, and I think you're right in terms of expectations. This was kind of what the whole theme of the show really is, isn't it? What are our expectations for these things? Expectations are fine as long as you aren't really going to pieces if those expectations aren't met. 
Like, like I like to have ambitions because ambitions feel a little bit more like, okay, you can live with the consequences, you can move forward. And what Fuad was saying before about Arsenal and their incremental kind of progress compared to what we were doing when we were Liverpool, I think very much applies again for Newcastle. Like, you can do too much too soon because you need to then be settled at this highest level. And if you haven't had enough bumps through the road, because that's the thing, isn't it? Like, when you look at our Champions League, like, we got to the final. It's like, yeah, it's great. It's got to the final. But we did. We, we weren't really kind of good enough to get over the line. And then you go to the next season and you do a little bit better, you do a little bit better, you do better, rather than thinking, okay, well, this is us now. We're always going to get to the final. That wasn't really how we were thinking. And it, it reminds me of, like, there's this high jumper, Mondo Duplantis, and people have been criticising him for breaking the world record one centimetre at a time. And it's like, for starters, they give him 100 grand every time he breaks the world record. <laughs> I do it one at a time. But it means that he gets more comfortable at that new height. He's got more reps. He's jumping at one. He's jumping 621 loads until he gets to 622. Then he's jumping 622 loads until he gets to 623. You're giving yourself the reps and the bumps. And I look at that Champions League group like, I'm not being funny about it. They might lose all of those games. Like, AC Milan are the third seed. They were in the semi-finals last year. And yeah, they haven't started well in Serie A, but they know that they can do it in Europe. Borussia Dortmund should have won the league last year. They're going to be burning. They're going to be a very good team. And I've watched PSG a couple of times, and they look good. So there's an argument where you can say Newcastle will get a good result in one of those games, and they'll give them a boom for the season, and they'll suddenly start to believe in themselves they finish bottom with zero points, then yeah, Eddie Howe might be looking at somewhere else very quickly. And it suddenly looks all very different around there. They are still good players. I do still think that they're good enough to be in the mix, but they also could be in a very, very bad position, maybe about January time. Did anyone see Amanda Staveley at the Great North Run at the weekend? No. Um, she said, the, I quote, the Great North Run was one of the fantastic reasons why we came to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cookie Miss Jane Face there, but what a weird line. <laughs> like, she's gone and she's like, oh, I need to say something really good about it. I don't know what the fuck to say here. And then, uh, like, but what a weird line. Just talk, yeah. <laughs> she's very massive, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, I find it all very odd. Like, but, uh, I've been watching a couple of them Amazon series as well. It's, 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 it's peak, like, yeah, third universe stuff, you know what I mean? I just don't really understand what's mm. going on there. And I, and I think I, f- I find it really, really odd to be serious for a second that their identity is very much like working class town, didn't and then now it's very sort of entitled royalist mentality almost. It's, I feel They bought into the dream because they had nothing for so long. Yeah. They yeah. basically rolled the dice and thought, why not? And that's all well and good and might help them at this point. But like I say, if they end up getting embarrassed, then that could all turn. Okay, very quickly on to Man City then, and we'd like them to be our business this season, Jake, because you know we can we can pick up out the squad and say it's surprisingly thin and stuff like that, and you can say, well, how are they going to cope without Gundogan being the best player in the world come May and things like that? But they're all things as a Liverpool fan you hope to be caring about. Like if I'm in April going like, oh, I wonder how they're going to fare without Gundogan, then, then then someone's gone right from a Liverpool point of view rather than wrong from a City point of view because you know we talked before about unknowns and, and, and potential wild cards and, and Chelsea being the hardest one to predict. They're almost the easiest one to predict, aren't they, unfortunately, because they've got the track record they have. Yeah, don't, no doubt about it. Best team in the world, you know, probably the best version of City that there's ever been, you know, a matter of months ago and that, that's a scary proposition, isn't it? With at, at, this, at this point, you know, 
arguably the best best coach in the world. Um, the only thing, and I, I'm not being negative here, I'm saying this, but I'm thinking these are things for us to genuinely be able to latch on to is the human nature elements of they did win everything last season. You know, will there, will there be a bit of a dip? Does the squad look arguably not as good? You know, there's talk now Guardiola going to England, isn't there? I've seen is a little, 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 little bit of that. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, he more might of just that. do it as well. I thought, like he's not got hobbies, has well, he? He might, he might just fancy doing something new, might need. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So all, all of these things, I think, you know, hopefully, we, we can latch onto, and, and we do, we do see a dip. But yeah, shit kit as well. Nice start for them, third easiest, um, according to Opta. Uh, they then go to a rounded table, so suggest they've got tougher fixtures you know, coming up. West Ham away next time, yeah. I think is a really interesting one. You know, We sort of skimmed past West Ham before. It'll be a really good marker to where both teams are at this season, I think, the West Ham-Man City game at the weekend. I agree. I think that West Ham will go into it thinking that for the first time they can actually trouble City, mm. that like, they can affect the City game plan. Obviously, Lucas Pacatel was tried to see tried to buy him yeah he's gonna want to go and put on a show we hit that one wasn't it? well not really <laughs> I, what's I interesting about both sorry Mo, uh what's interesting about both uh, Paqueta and Nunes who they end up with is they were both really heavily scouted by Liverpool yep. yeah so exactly. we're obviously looking for similar sorts of profile in terms of midfielders and you wouldn't think it because the we, we play sort of in a different way but they were they were both Liverpool had a good long look mm. at both of them and, and obviously City the same yeah Paqueta even when he was back in Leon looked like he, he could play at a higher level and so I'm not surprised that he's coming into their radar and I think he'd be much better for them than he's even shown so far for West Ham. For City, believe it or not, this is actually the first time they've won four out of four since the first season of Guardiola, which was mad when I found that out. Because you think that yeah. you think that they're imperious. But they're, yeah. they always try, I mean they normally lose to Spurs at some point in the first four games of the season. Um so yeah, they're feeling even better and they are the Death Star. They are just going to be a homey interview. I kind of compare them to um, Djokovic. It's just like, no one really enjoys him winning, yeah. but you got to be like, okay, fair play. He's the best of he won. Um, and I feel that way about City. And I still feel like they are the best. I still feel like they've been able to... The players who they've brought in have kind of quite nicely matched up for the players they've gone. And you yeah. mentioned Gundogan. They basically brought two players to cover him. So that kind of tells you how good he and influential he was. I think that their wrinkles or potential for downfall is only really if they take their eye off the ball. And again, I'm not really 100% sure they're going to do that. Like, I'm trying to I put some into it. helps with that because he's, he's almost brand new, isn't he? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, if, if some of the players have been there a long time and, and I think City have, you know, you looked at... The, They've been leaving in dribs and drabs, haven't they? So it's yeah. another summer we mentioned, Gadon Gungo, and you know, Sterling moves on the summer before. There's there's probably two or three others. So that it's not a, a big change in one summer. It's over time, isn't it? And so, you know, you'd like to think, oh, maybe they'll sort of get a bit of complacent. But someone like Haaland, yeah. who's gone from winning nothing at Haaland to suddenly winning everything, he's not going to go, well, that's up for me. No, and, and, <laughs> and, and we need to remember for Haaland as well, Norway are still shit. Yeah. yeah. Norway have got him and Martin Odegaard, and they're still shit. He's really yeah. sound. He's really sound for Norway. Have you watched him? Yeah. Like he's like, oh, unlucky lads! When another cross goes miles over his head, and it's like you can tell he's just Next like, it's one. A, yeah, yeah. He's like, come on, boys! I'm, if I was that good, I'd be like, well, but he's probably thinking, I'll oh, go back to Kev De Bruyne. Yeah. You can tell but the thing is, though, they, uh, I think there's a group of them that have only grown up together as well. Because right. like, I saw an interview with him and Odegaard, and they were kind of ripping on her in a bit. Because like they, when he was younger, he used to be a bit like that. But it's like they've known each other so long. It's like, man, yeah. just fuck off. I, I think the thing with him as well with Haaland is City's not as he's not staying at City no. forever is he so he, he has that individual thing which will drive them all on of, of, of scoring fuck loads of goals chasing records whatever it is 
and, and that being a bit of a drive to push everyone else on. Yeah, and the worst thing about all of this is the fact that even in what some people would call a good scenario, I don't like calling it that, but if Haaland were injured and he did get injured periodically for Dortmund, they've got Alvarez. I know, he's brilliant. Like, he's like, so good. He is <laughs> so, under, like, genuinely... <laughs> Too if, good. I, I watched the World Cup just going, oh, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if, if Harlem got out, if you told me Harlem's going to get injured for six months, I'd tell you Julian Alvarez is going to score 25 league goals. They played together a few times a season, haven't they, as well? Yeah. Which is scary as well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do find that funny, the way that, you know, Pep's tactical genius has, has, has been talked about and how he kind of likes to keep people thinking and all that. He's basically just gone to big man and small man now, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm but fair play to it. When works. it works, it works. Yeah. I like yeah. that the bench is now like five world-class players and then some lads. Yeah. <laughs> like I had a little look. They had someone called Oscar Bob. <laughs> who, who, who I don't, I'm not having to be. like 40 manager when you play yeah. for like 15 years. <laughs> double B, double B, Oscar Bob. It was either Oscar Bob or Bob Oscar. I'm not sure, but uh, Oscar Bob on the bench. And they had two goalies on the bench last time as well. Fucking wow. no players. Just, just a blank avatar in the background. Honestly, yeah. Oscar <laughs> A fair play when Oscar Bob goes to Chelsea for 40 million next summer like I'm going to end up looking stupid but like yeah Oscar Bob I googled him apparently is real but I've got no definitive proof um, okay uh, I'll finish up with a question then if I could offer you one team to lose this weekend who would you pick? Everton <laughs> well they're playing Arsenal which is interesting I love Everton Arsenal it's one of my favourite yeah. fixtures of the yeah. season they were one of the only teams to beat them last year they beat them when no one when no one was beating them yeah. not at the end when they had the little wobble so Ever- Everton Everton Arsenal's a belter yeah, totally. would you go for Everton seriously uh, I mean it's fun isn't it but it's almost getting a bit our last now um, but also it's not going to help us win the league Jake or, or finish off four or whatever it is our aims are which is the whole point of the show <laughs> It would still be Evans. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. You channel, channel you in a Kevin Walsh. You gotta stay true to yourself, Mo. mate. Um, I'm kind of tossing between Arsenal and Manchester United, and again, Manchester United is the more realistic, pessimistic. Arsenal, the more optimistic. And seeing the tone of the show, I think I'm going to go Arsenal. Okay, if I could do one team to lose this weekend, who? I mean, the answer is Everton, but I, I'm going for Man City. <laughs> you go, you're shooting straight I'm shooting, to the top. I'm shooting for the top. <laughs> shooting for the top. They're going to get angry and then win the next twenty. So that's the one little it's, worry it's, with it's that. It's the bunny men in the arena on Saturday as well. So if the Blues get beat there, it's a bit more of a laugh, isn't it? interesting okay uh, hope you've enjoyed that uh, I'm sure it'll be Neil ne- back next week but in the meantime uh, thanks a lot to Andy for producing uh, for Ash do- doing the live video uh, to Phil Adamo and to Jake I've been John Gibbons hope you've enjoyed that up the Reds Sports Social Podcast Network